Hello friends, how are you? My name is Colm and this is the Sober Mess podcast and you're very welcome. Today I'm joined by my good friend Janie Lee Grace. Janie is a presenter, author of the Happy Healthy Sober. She's also the host of the Alcohol Free Life podcast. She's a sober coach and a TEDx speaker, Sobriety Rocks. Who knew? So I'm absolutely chuffed and delighted to have her here on the podcast for an old chat. So Janie, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm absolutely delighted. I love I love your TED Talks as well. <laughs> yeah, that was good fun. So how are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good and uh, good to be here spreading the word to as many people as possible about positive sobriety, right? Positive sobriety. So what what is positive sobriety from your perspective? Well, I think it's just spreading that message that you'd have to wait till you hit rock bottom, you know, before you make this choice. And, uh, you know, I think I've, I was talking about this recently because I just hit 2000 days, which feels wow. like years ago. If you'd have even told me that it was going to be possible for me, I wouldn't have believed you. And certainly when I first started on the journey, you know, I, I, I think I probably thought that the best that might happen for me was that I'd be able to manage, you know, I'd just about be able to cope um, but I kind of figured it would always be miserable. And, and almost no one, well, no, I mean, that's not true. No one, literally no one told me just how freaking fantastic life without booze is. Whereas actually, you know, back then, if people had been saying, oh, wow, you know, fantastic, look, look what you're doing. It's brilliant. It's the best life ever. I, I might have felt a bit more excited about it. I mean, I know things are changing, so that's the good thing. I love that. Look, what was that turning point for you when you got sober and you realised that, well, hold on, I actually like being sober. Like, as you said in your talks, like sobriety mm. rocks. Like, what was that mm. moment when you realised that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I, I was, what made it my last day one, as it were, because obviously I've been around the block a bunch of times, um, was that I was able to just catch sight of that better life that's what kept me going and and that's really what all my work is about now you know with the sober club is just trying to inspire people to push through the hard bit by catching sight of how much better life's going to be so fortunately I did start to get a glimpse of that um I can't say it was particularly quick for me because I, I you know I kind of had a lot of stuff to work through but I think definitely when I hit three months that was a really big turning point and I remember going to um Morning Gloryville which was one of the one of the daytime raves sober raves <laughs> and I remember thinking this is absolutely mad it's like 6 30 a.m and I'm on my way into London with like you know face paint on and a sparkly shorts <laughs> to go to a sober rave this is mad but it just made me think oh my god there's this this feeling of joy which i'd never used that word outside of church circles you know since i've been a teenager mm. um so i think you know once i kind of just got just got a glimpse of 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 just getting back to being authentic and being able to actually experience um life in you know i sometimes i say in my book you know you kind of experience life in glorious technicolor really and it doesn't mean everything's perfect because you know you still have crap days but um you 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 get to experience everything rather mm. than being numbed out and 
um, that awful chaotic feeling that you have when you're drinking all the time. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? I remember hearing someone say to me, like, the good, about sobriety is the good news is you get your feelings back and the bad news is you get exactly. your feelings back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you exactly know? that. And like that, yeah, I, I just... I feel all like, the feels, yeah. Yeah, you feel all the feels. And uh, like that, yeah, I remember that when I came in, when I got sober first and thinking to myself, wow, this, is this it? Like, is, is my life over? Because you associate alcohol with everything social and everything fun and joyful. Like, getting I like to do was... Oh, always connected with alcohol. So how am we ever going to go on holidays again? How am we ever going to be socialised again? How am we ever going to go watch a football game again? And, you know, everything was connected with alcohol. And uh, I think after I got sober and I went on my first uh, sober holiday with a few friends and I actually had a really cool time. And I remember on the way home thinking, like, wow, that was incredible. That was the first time I went on holidays and I didn't, like, black out. I didn't, like, come home with regret, hung over. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew what, I didn't just hide in the back of a bar somewhere in a, in a, in a, in a sunny destination. Like, I actually enjoyed it, went and done loads of things and had a massive smile on my face. I never laughed so much in my life. And I think that's when you get sober, you start to have, like, like proper belly laughs about just life and as you said the word joy i felt joy for the first time in my life and just being like wow this is uh, this is class like yeah i know it really is true and and people get really worried about those kind of first the, the firsts you know the first holiday that's a big one i mean flying is it was the thing that i was terrified of because I, I don't think i'd ever done a flight without booze you know i mean time stops doesn't it at airports even if it's 6am you know you're still on the booze and I was really nervous about getting on a flight so much so that in those little 100 mil toiletry things that you can pack I packed a little bit of a botanical spirit so that I could buy myself a tonic water and pour it in and make myself feel grown up that's how panicky I was but of course once you've done this once you realize you know what difference does it make for god's sake what you put in your mouth it's it's, it's so crazy we work ourselves up to these panics but actually as you say holidays are so much better without alcohol mm. oh my god the difference is amazing yeah 100 like and in ireland we have this thing when we're going away on holidays you have to put a picture of the airpoint point like the airpoint point of beer on facebook or instagram before oh you go god. away you know check in at the airport with a picture of your point of guinness and before you head away in your flight. And if you don't do that, you're not actually going away on holidays, like, you know. So I was like, even just getting through the airport, you know, you're like, oh my God, how are we not going to drink? And we have this belief that, you know, alcohol is like this social enhancer, this social lubricant. But for people like me, when I drank, I didn't become social. I became antisocial, like, you know what I mean? And I had it in my head. I was funny. I was, I was, I was making everyone laugh. I was super popular. But in reality, I was just obnoxious and sloppy and, and just dribbling and just a mess, like, you know? Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. It, it, it's really true. We kind of, we've got all these ideas, haven't we, that... Uh, you know, it's the social glue that sticks everything together and it makes us all so much more friendly and sociable and confident. But actually, the reality is, once we've had a few drinks, yeah, it all just gets very messy. And actually, when I look back, uh, you know, I, I'm not very proud of some of the things that I've said after, you know, after I've had a drink. I mean, please God, everybody else forgot as well. But um, <laughs> no one's at their best when they've been drinking. It's, um, you know, I sometimes say on the on my podcast that the uh, the, the marketing companies, you know, the, the alcohol companies, they show us all these glamorous images, don't they, of people 
you know, imbibing their drinks, you know, sitting there with that lovely glamorous glass looking incredible. They never show us any pictures at the end of the night, you know, when they're in the gutter. You know, they don't show us what happens when people actually buy their product, yeah. just what happens when they're posing with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They never, like, show a picture of someone, like, asleep in, like, their neighbor's flower bed, you know, or yeah. waking up the next morning being like, where am I? You know, it's like, yeah, exactly. whose bed is this? <laughs> <You know? laughs> totally. Oh, my God. So, Janie, tell us a bit of your story and, like, how you came to where you are today and how you, got, how you went to inspire so many people from your own experience. Mm. Um, well, so for me, you know, I was drinking for so many years and never, I didn't ever have a rock bottom moment. And I think it's important to stress that because, um, you know, I'm one of these people who I was fully functioning in inverted commas. So allegedly a normal drinker, uh, you know, I can't count on both hands how many times I um, tried to stop. So I figured this was ridiculous because I was very health conscious. I wrote books on holistic living. I, you know, I was talking about holistic living and yet I was stepping around this bloody great big elephant in the room that was alcohol um, but I was just stuck in this trap and really um, what changed was when I was given a copy of Claire Pooley's book um, The Sober Diaries because we were going to be interviewing her on the radio and I remember being given the book just before Christmas. Well, if you, you know, if you know about interviewing and stuff, you'll know that you never get the book two weeks before. You'll be lucky if you get it the night before. So this was kind of a real thing. And I kind of looked at it and thought, oh, God, I kind of knew something was going to change. So, of course, I didn't even read it till after Christmas. And then I, I read the book and that was the very first time that I just had this slight glimpse into what might be a better life without alcohol. I'd never ever thought about that before. I'd read books about how terrible it is and how you really needed to stop, but I'd never read anything that gave me any kind of excitement or motivation. So I, I read the book. I stopped on the 30th, 30th of uh, uh, December and uh, 2017. I didn't even bother to wait for New Year. Um, and then I, I interviewed Claire and then I figured, well, I may as well do dry January. And then thankfully, I was able to just, as I alluded to before, catch sight of this better life and, and, and keep going. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, just everything changed. And m literally, my only regret is I just didn't do this sooner. That's yeah, I love that. What? Why do you think that is that we need to like go all the way to rock bottom before we make that like difference? Or like, because I know you opened your story with saying oh, I didn't go like to rock bottom to to stop drinking. But it's funny that we like we know it's like drink isn't serving us or it's preventing us from becoming the best version of ourselves. But it's like, why do we need to ride the bus all the way to the depot before we can actually make that change and say right, I want to stop drinking because it's just not adding to my life. Like if you were eating like gluten or milk and it was upsetting your stomach or having a negative impact on your life, you'd like eliminate it or you'd, you'd definitely yeah, drink, you'd use less again. But with alcohol, it's like, well, I have to I have to wait till I'm homeless before I can stop drinking. I can't, I can't stop until, you know, you know what I mean? But it's, it's funny, like, uh, we have to wait till we're miserable and down in the in the dirt before I say, OK, I don't want it. I don't want this in my life anymore. Mm, yeah, totally. I know. I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I think it is simply because we are. It is so ingrained in our culture, isn't it? It's so ingrained that that's what everybody does. 
And certainly up until a few years ago, you really were seen as, as you know, boring, you know, sober equals bores if you choose not to drink. It was seen as just abnormal. The sober shamers were everywhere. So the kind of thinking is, is, is such that, oh, if you can't drink, you know, if you can't hold your beer, as it were, and you've got a problem, then, oh, how awful for you. You know, I mean, I used to, uh, I've said tons of times on the podcast that, you know, I'd rock up to a GP I don't know, for a vitamin D test or something. And then on the way out, you know, I might say, oh, by the way, you know, actually, I'm a little bit worried about my drinking. And uh, and their answer was always, well, you know, you seem fine. How much mm-hmm. are you drinking? Then obviously I'd lie, you know, and say, oh, well, you know, two, three glasses a night, ooch, you know. And then they, obviously they know I'm lying. And then they go, well, you know, you seem fine. Just have an alcohol-free day, you know. So in other words, they were kind of saying, oh, well, you know, whatever you do, don't stop drinking. Just yeah. ease it off a little yeah. bit for yourself to make it all a little bit more possible for you to carry on drinking. And yeah. it drives me insane, that attitude now, because I just realised that's what kept me stuck for years and years and years. Obviously, what the GP should have said to me is, wow, well done you for noticing. You know, thank goodness you've noticed before it gets too bad. Right, now let me signpost you. To all of these amazing resources for people who've chosen to be alcohol free, you know, well done. That's what she should have said. Yeah. Not, oh well, just temper it with the odd glass of water. You know, as if as if stopping drinking would be unthinkable. And that's the reason I think that we stay stuck. Because, yeah. I mean, I mean, really, this is what I would love to see. Uh, you know, my my kind of mission, if you like, is that. I'm not up for prohibition. You know, that ain't going to happen anytime soon. But I do think we just need to make it as normal to choose not to drink as to drink. That's all I want. But it's quite a big ask, I know. It's it's hilarious. It's so true. Like, it's... Uh... Yeah, like I remember, I used to look out to the doctor and he'd say something like that, and he'd be like, "Oh, did you try? Try just have one, you know?" And it, that was like music to my ears because I was, I was the sort where everything else was the problem. It was the relationship, or it was the house I was living in, or you know, it was the, it was the job I was in, or it was the, it was the diet I was on, or it was the coloured socks I was wearing. You know, it was always, it was always something or someone else's fault apart from the drink. The drink was like the last thing to go and to give it up is is like drastic like even when you talk to the lads in the pub like I think I'm you know I think I might have a you know a bit of a bit of a drinking problem you know missing days in work you know I'm kind of it's really affecting my relationship it's really affecting my mental health and my friends are like you're not an alcoholic you're just you just need a, you know a bit of soakage you know so when you eat have loads of bread for you go out or eat like a bowl of porridge or you know drink loads of water or did you try saying the rosary in between drinks you know and it was always like this pub bro science that oh, the la- don't be don't be drastic you're definitely not an alcoholic and it's just this funny joke in Ireland and it's it's like this uh, this guy this priest goes to a funeral and he sees the guy in the coffin and he's like young and he says to, says to, says to the wife of the man that's dead and said, geez, what, what happened to him? He's so young. And she was like, oh, he was a chronic alcoholic. He, uh, you know, he, he, he got cirrhosis of the liver and he passed away. And he said, God, did he, did he ever try going to AA? And she said, no, no, he wasn't that bad. You know, and it's like, it's that, it's that, <laughs> it's that thing where it's like, it's nearly worse for you to go and get your life together and get sober than it is. You could be walking home, black guys, wet your pants, you know, just the the town drunk 
and that's better in society's eyes than it is getting sober. Or maybe it's not even in society's eyes. Maybe it's just in our own imagination, what we believe, that we think, oh, I can't g- give up drink. What would people think? I'll be the weirdo. I don't want to go on a night out and be sitting there and we sparkling water and we, we rock shandy, you know? And it's like, it's better for me to drink and fall down and get carried home and be like ruin everyone's night or whatever. Like it's, But it's a mad uh, belief that we have around drink, like... Totally. Yeah, absolutely. As you said before, you know, we just do the same thing over and over. And I think it's this it's this absolute cognitive dissonance, isn't it? That we have to carry on doing what everyone else is doing. And once you start swimming against the tide, you just start to realise how how stupid it is. You know, I've got people in my community who, you know, they stop and then they recognise that because they're such kind of people pleasers, they'll go out, you know, to a party or go out with friends. And they'll end up drinking purely because they don't want someone else to feel bad. That's how crazy it is, you know, that somebody else else will say, oh, well, you know, if you're not drinking, oh, dear, I suppose I can't. And then they'll go, oh, okay, then. I mean, it's just crazy. Why would it matter what you're putting in your mouth compared to somebody else? It's, it's, it's actual madness. And, well, the more of us that start to see that, the better. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is 100% true, but as... as you know, it, it's, it's, I think it's the circle and, the, and like, like you said, it's the glue. Like, I remember the circle of friends I used to drink with, it was like alcohol was the glue that kind of mm. kept us together. You know, if you took away the drink, we'd just be all these lads that probably have not a lot in common. And we were just sitting in a circle looking at each other being like, so, uh, did you catch the game last night? You know, but when you pour <laughs> drink on top of that, it's all laughing, it's banter, it's crack, it's escape from reality, it's escape from the bills or the relationship or the traffic jams or the just the mundane living that we have. And that's the, the it's like suffering Monday, Monday to Thursday, then Friday, Saturday, you and then Sunday it's just back to that 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 harsh living. And I think that, that like when I got sober it gave me a great opportunity to improve every day in my life. It wasn't just oh, I can't live I'm gonna like just struggle all week and then live for the weekend. Whereas now I look I enjoy every every day like you know yeah getting with difficult days and yeah I still don't like traffic jams where my football team loses but like it's as you said I can feel things and I can feel the highs I can feel the lows and I enjoy every day in my life you know it's not just living for the weekend to sit in a pub and be and talk crap and you know and I'd see old pals now and they're still like in that time warps you know where living for the weekend you know cracking the same jokes talking the same crap and you know never really getting anywhere you know what I mean yeah I totally I totally understand and I think that um, this is what needs to change you know we just need more and more people getting out there saying you know what sobriety is cool it really is and it's just the best actually the best choice you'll ever make the best decision you'll ever make for your health and well-being I mean it really helps that there's lots of celebs now that are sober you know that's pretty cool and I really love the fact that you know, you get a lot of celebs who talk about being sober years and years and years later. And it's, it's such an amazing thing for them all these years mm. on. You know, so anyone who's early days and thinking, oh, God, you know, maybe it'll feel flat when I get to a year. It really doesn't. It gets better every single year. And, and they're the messages we need more of. Just choose this. I mean, I always say, you know, just ask yourself realistically, could my life be better physically and emotionally without booze? And, and, and if a little voice somewhere says, hell, yeah, it definitely could, then give it a shot. You've got absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. 
I absolutely love that. What what sort of things would you do on a regular basis, like to make the most of your sobriety and your health and, and your wellness? Well, you know, for me, I I mean, I've always been interested in the health and well-being piece. So, you know, I was I think it's the only thing that probably kept me alive, to be honest, when you consider how much I was bloody drinking. But, um, you know, I'm a really big fan of eating well. And I think that a lot of people, once they stop drinking, they realize, okay, hold on. So maybe I do need to look after myself. So making sure you've got fantastic nutrition. I mean, it's, it's the best start. Also, you know, when people stop drinking, they, they often get a real sugar head on, don't they? And, you know, the ice cream starts calling to them in the middle of the night and stuff. Um, So it's a really good idea to get that, that nutritional piece balanced. Um, And then, you know, personally, I think that once you're sober, it, it helps you in so many ways. You get your mindset right. People often start thinking about meditation or walking in nature or fitness or whatever it is but it it just opens you up to what's there for you how how you can you know that lovely phrase kind of live your best life without the booze really um lots of people in my my sober club community have found that they've become they've kind of found their purpose once they stop drinking they suddenly find oh my god you know i'm going to go and do a MA in writing or one one woman saved enough money to buy a camper van <laughs> so it's gone traveling and I mean it doesn't matter what it is but it's you sort of find the bandwidth for whatever it is you want to do I love that it's so true isn't it and you you, I, you start to invest in your health and your well-being whereas before you've no interest in like eating well or looking after yourself and then I think when you start to heal a bit you put down that drink and you realise why was I drinking you know what what was going on in my life you know and I, I love that book um, Radical Acceptance and it's, it's it's like what is it that you're unwilling to feel and I think when mm. you start put down that drink and you start to feel the things that are going on in your life and it gives us that kind of look at ourselves to say right what can I do to improve my health like what is my diet like what's my sleep like what's my stress levels like and don't treat diet just as the stuff that you eat like treat it as a whole holistic thing what's what's the circle that i keep you know how how's my sleep what are the books that i read what are the what are the things i look at what's the content i'm constantly taking in or the knowledge what are my opinions what are my beliefs you know and just having a look at everything and seeing like like planting little seeds in the garden you're like what do you want your garden to be full of like do you want it to be full of flowers or full of weeds and trying to pick out the weeds and just kind of water the water the flowers type of thing do you know what i mean mm, mm. no I, I i really do i think um i think it's the best thing you'll ever do as i say for your health and well-being and often it's the really little things that change you know i sometimes say to people um rather than keep you know you hear about that phrase you know keeping a gratitude list Mm. actually keep what i call a blessings list or you can call it what you like but basically write down all the tiny things that you've noticed as a result of stopping drinking and it's amazing what you notice the tiny little things where your life just starts to feel more in balance when you're not pouring booze in what are what are them what are them tiny things that made you feel good? Well, it was in the beginning. I remember doing this exercise, and I remember it was it was things that might not mean anything to anybody else, but really little things. Like noticed I didn't snap quite as much as my at my kids. I noticed that I didn't feel dizzy when I washed my hair. <laughs> that was a big one. 
<laughs> and, you know, I could do like a whole yoga class without thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to pass out, you know, if it was nine o'clock in the morning. You know, really little things. Just going for a walk and actually appreciating, literally appreciating the bird song. I mean, really naff, stupid little things that, but, but, but actually massive things. It's like, it's honestly like waking up again after you've been asleep for a ton of years. Because I used to just walk around in a kind of miserable kind of daze, feeling a bit sorry for myself and being super grumpy. Because I was always either planning the next drink, drinking or recovering from the last one. Yeah, yeah it's so true, isn't it? Like, it's like, I'm, like I always say that when I, was, when I didn't have drink in me, I was just a grump, like, you know, I was never mm. present. I was in my head, worrying, fearful, either thinking of the last, thinking of the next drink or worrying about the last drink I had or just the, like, the, the, just the, the weight of the world were, were on my shoulders, like, you know. And I think when I got sober first, what really stuck out to me was just that, having a bit of peace of mind. You know, and I think that's what I was so attracted to alcohol because it just numbed everything. Because I had this race in mind since I was a kid. I just felt this default sense of anxiety and disconnection. And I never knew where it was or what it was, or even how to articulate it or describe it to people to say, oh, do you get this too? You know, I just felt it. And then when I drank, I didn't feel it. I felt this numbness. I was like, wow, this is, this is actually good stuff. This has really helped me to deal with this anxiety. Uh, that anxiety that I didn't even know what it was, I have a label for and then I got sober and that anxiety came back tenfold. And and then just remember waking up one day and just I just remember like noticing nature. Like I think I just looked at a couple of trees or seen the sky and just found this profound sense of peace in me and just being like, wow, this, this sober thing's actually, you know, is quite good. You know, I'm feeling peace. I'm feeling okay. I'm starting to like who I am, like, you know, and uh, all all the like intangible things, like, you know, and I just felt like, wow, I think that was my kind of turning point because I remember people used to say, I don't quit before that miracle happens or keep coming back, you know, it will get better, you know, this, this too shall pass and I was sick of hearing this. I'm like, yeah, but when does it get better? What time? What date? Like, you know, I'm going to mark it on my calendar, you know, and then like that did get better, like, you know, but it's like that at the, at the, at the days that at the start, it's just getting new, used to this new way of living, sitting with these feelings, sitting with that salesman in your head that really wants to, you, for you to drink or just throw a grenade into your life and just, you know, just to sit with that and not act on the old feelings that we used to act on all the time. And it's just like reprogramming and, and retraining ourselves. But as you said, it's re- it, I think for me it was really important to have like a supportive, loving community around me that I could kind of uh, connect with and just ha- just to, to, to help me, especially early days that you have people you can kind of uh, bounce off and just kind of feel uh, part of and get that bit of support like. Mm. Yeah, I mean, in the very early days, for me, you know, I didn't really have anybody other than Claire, (laughs) who I kind of used to email the whole time asking her questions. Um, So it was tough for me at the beginning. Um, I mean, now when I look back, I'm glad because I now realise that all the things I had to go through, I now know what that feels like. And and so I'm I'm, in a way, I'm, I'm glad that I that I had to do it the hard way. But that's why I, you know, I run the Sober Club, because 
I've, I now realize it can all be so much easier if you focus on the right mindset, if you get the good nutrition and the good supplements in, if you get connected, you know, as you say, that really is the, a massive piece of this. We can't always rely on our you know, partners and close friends and family to support us with this. Even if, you know, they are, in inverted commas, supportive, if they've not been there, done it, got the T-shirt themselves, they're not going to be able to help us. You know, I've got lots of people who've said to me, oh, my, you know, my partner's really supportive, you know, I... Everything's good, you know. I uh, they keep the alcohol out of the house. They completely understand. It's absolutely fine. But you wait till you've had a really terrible day. You know, you're on week three. You've had an absolutely terrible day at work. You roll home, and and the very first thing that loving partner will say is, "Oh, sweetie, well, you've done so well. You know, you can just have one." And you're back down the slippery slope. You you have to be able to share this stuff with people who really do understand what it feels like. Yeah, it's it's so true. Like I, I know you, I remember that. Like I remember like as you were saying earlier we were talking to the doctors and trying to explain to the doctors and they were just like, Oh well, just have one. Can you not just have one at Christmas mm. or you know, just like cut down the amount you drink and they they didn't understand that I was a bin shrinker. So if we had one, I wanted a million. You know, yeah, I was just exactly. type of guy that I got that I do enough willpower that I could stay off for weeks, maybe months, but I wouldn't enjoy it. I wouldn't enjoy being absent from alcohol because it was like it was like my coping mechanism. So when I stopped drinking, I started to feel my emotions, and that was that was really difficult. It was like, oh, I can't wait to like, drink again. Like it wasn't like I was enjoying sobriety. I was just absent from alcohol, like you know. And and then when I mm. put one in my mouth, it was like, oh, I wanted another, I wanted another, I wanted another. And the more I drank, the more I wanted. And it was just that, where can I get more? Where can I get more? Where can I get more? And and then people just didn't understand that. Like everyone I talked to was like, well, like why, why can't you just have one? Or why, why do you drink so fast? Or why do you, why do you keep doing it? Just have three and go home. Or you know what you mean? You're you're staying. Let's like, give work tomorrow. It's four o'clock in the morning. Like what? what? You know when they they didn't get that. And then the, then the other side of it is the people that understand that sense of fear or inadequacy or feeling inferior and I love that I could have them conversations with people as well that wasn't just around alcohol and my drinking behaviour but also how I felt when I wasn't drinking when I didn't mm. have an alcohol in me that all these feelings that I got and I was like hey does anyone else get these feelings like, you know and being able to talk about people about that sort of stuff as well was was a game changer because you could, you could feel all these things and you just feel like a weirdo that you're the only human on planet experiencing these feelings and emotions and just pretending that they don't exist and throwing them on the backseat and putting the mask on and being the performer on stage everything is great I'm super happy let's crack a joke let's have some fun and we're deep down and behind the mask it's like you're falling apart and I love that analogy where they talk about the gracious swan going across the lake and all you see is this lovely swan going across the lake but underneath you, the, the feet are going crazy <laughs> to stay afloat and that's what it was like mm. behind the scenes with me behind the mask was just this crippling feeling of, of loneliness and darkness and, and mm. disconnection mm. Like, and then being able to connect with other people and then feeling this sense of relief being like oh wow I'm not, I'm not the only one that feels like this you know and it was it was, it was was such a great relief to, to, to know I'm not an alien on planet earth like I know. I know. I think that's exactly right. I mean, for for all of those years when I was, you know, 
when I would wake up at 3 a.m., absolutely hate myself, make a decision to stop, but then, of course, you know, be back on the Sauvignon by six o'clock kind of thing. All of those years, I had no idea at all anyone else was feeling like me. No idea. I naturally assumed that all of my friends were very happily drinking, no problems, you know, it was never too much, they were very happy, everything was good. And, you know, and obviously, I was aware that there were some people that I didn't know personally, who were, you know, clinically dependent, they needed rehabilitation, I didn't fit either camp, I definitely wasn't at rock bottom, I didn't need rehab, but I was not okay either. You know, I now realize there are millions of people that come under that, you know, that term gray area drinkers. It's, it's not black or white, somewhere on that spectrum. And I now realize there are millions of people like that, but nobody talks about it. Nobody mm. else says that. No, I didn't tell anyone I was waking up at 3am hating myself. And maybe they were too. You know? yeah. But this is what we have to bring out into the open. The fact that there are so many people going through this and it's utterly crazy and we can literally step off that booze elevator before it gets too bad. Yeah, it's, it's so true, isn't it? And and like, my, my own personal story and my, like, what worked for me was going down the whole 12-step route and you, you thought about the grey area drinking and the, the only negative thing about the 12-step route is that when people hear the word alcoholic, they think, wow, that's a bit, that's a bit harsh, you know, I'm not, mm. I'm not that, you know, and, you know, if we ever chat to a friend and, you know, and they're, they're kind of like, they reach out and they're like, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, the drink is a bit, uh, you know, it's kind of affecting my life a little bit and as soon as I say the A word like Jesus no not, I'm not an alcoholic you know and and that's what I love about the whole grey area uh, <clears throat> drinking movement now is that people a lot of people out there find it way more accessible and you know they can they can kind of oh yeah I, 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 can, I get that yeah I can 100% get that because for me it was like like what we were saying earlier I had to go all the way to rock bottom because there was no middle of the spectrum you know, when, when mm. I first got sober, it was like you, you crawl into an AA meeting or you just keep drinking until you get to that place. Like, you know, it's never like a, like a functioning uh, like a alcoholic or functioning someone that like having a drink is affecting them negatively, but not so much that the, the wheels are coming off or, uh, or, or like that, if that makes sense. And I think what, what, re what helped me was having that. 12 step community and just having people around me but I, I always feel so bad for people that are in the, like they never feel that it's bad enough for them to go to a like an AA meet and say but it's not good enough that they're enjoying and, and that's why I love the so many grey area communities like uh, Andy Ramage has the you know one year no beer and there's so many good communities out there that there's more there's more ways to do it than just having to ride the bus to, to the depot the rock bottom basement and then do something about it you know mm. yeah totally I mean uh, you know in the in the, the sober club that I that I run you know we 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 don't really use the term alcoholic um and 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 generally you know most people have not done the AA kind of route I mean to me I don't care how people come to to to, to this it makes no difference um mm. it, it's whatever it's literally is whatever whatever works for you um it, it really doesn't matter to me I think I think you know AA can work brilliantly for people in terms of the community as you mentioned yeah and the community is so important and I, I remember hearing this um this great poem 
and it, it's actually it's actually a poem from from AA and you know it's about this guy who's he's trapped down a hole and he can't get out and you know he's calling out for help and he's you know he, he then he sees a, a doctor walk past and he says doctor please will you help me get out of this hole and the doctor sees him down there and goes and, and writes him a prescription and throws it down to him and you know he has his prescription the doctor walks away but he's still stuck down with his hole and then he sees a priest walking past and says please father will you help me get out of this hole and the priest says a prayer for him and walks away but he's still stuck down with his hole you know and then a millionaire walks past and says please mate will you help me get out of this hole and the millionaire writes him a cheque and throws it down so he has his, his, his uh, rosary be- or he has his prayers he has his prescription and he has his cheque but he's still stuck down this hole you know and he's starting to give up he's thrown in the towel he's getting like he's getting hopeless you know and then he sees another recovering alcoholic walk past and he jumps down the hole and he says man what are you doing now that the two of us are stuck down here and he says, yeah, but I've been down here many times and I'll, I can show you the way out. You know, and I, I love that. I love that story. I know not, I use the phrase recovering alcoholic and m- maybe a lot of people that listen to this podcast wouldn't class themselves as an alcoholic. But it's like an analogy for someone that's walked that the dark road or walked that struggle and, and wore the T-shirt, you know, and someone that you can then have a rapport with because they know what it's like to have been through the rain, you know, that mm. you're in the, you're in the middle of that storm and you're now talking to someone that's been in the storm and has come through it and they're giving you their kind of, you know, their, their kind of hope, you know, that one person's pain is another person's survival guide, you know, it's like, how long I've been there, this is what I've done, this is how I got through it, you know, and I think that's the beautiful thing about having these different communities that around that can just lift you out of a dark place. Yeah, I I really agree. I I do think that um, that's the thing that makes the biggest difference. You know, when you can just share how you're feeling, and somebody else says that exactly that happened to me. I had that experience. That you know, I found that with I had those issues with my partner. I had that experience. You know, I felt that way. Whatever it is, Um, and 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 other people cheering you on. You know, when you when you things that just feel really rubbish. You know, in the sober club, we kind of have this expression, and we become cheerleaders for each other. We literally kind of lift each other up. And it's not always about drinking. It could be about all kinds of things. You know, because people have down days. But it's knowing that there's other people who have got your back really that's that's the really key piece yeah i love that that's 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 yeah so it is it is true and you yeah just to have this support network you know like you can kind of ring someone and people that kind of just can hit the nail on the head i think that's important as well if you're feeling a certain way and you just you just know when you talk to people that some people just get it you know what i mean some people just understand you without you having to you know, explain or trying to decipher or get out the PowerPoint presentation to kind of articulate, <laughs> you know, where people just, some people just get it, like, you know, and uh, and I love that. Like, you know, I remember talking to this guy before and I said, how are you getting on? And he just said, ah, my head's at me, you know, and I think that's just a great <laughs> way of just exp- saying, look, his, his head's at him, you know, as if, you know, it's just, he's going through, he's, he's going through something, you know, it's not, he is anxious he, or he is, depressed or whatever's going on it's just he's feeling this way and it will pass the same way if you have a cold or a flu and it's just kind of looking after yourself while you're going through that period whatever your self-care is if it's like if it's like you know slowing down resting taking it easy when you're feeling them feelings like what is your kind of self-care to build you back up again 
Yeah, I mean, I think people can sometimes have really unrealistic expectations, particularly at the beginning, you know, and you think, well, you know, uh, okay, I've stopped drinking and I'm a couple of weeks in. I mean, I need to be, I should be sleeping better. I should have dropped two stone. I should be feeling fantastic. You know, it doesn't quite work that way. You know, I've been drinking for years. You got to give yourself time. Everything's got to recalibrate. And, mm. you know, as you say, sometimes you, you know, you don't have such a great day, but it's that phrase, isn't it? This too shall pass. You know, it yes. really will. <laughs> You'll be okay. Um, just, you know, push through it and be really kind to yourself and just take care of yourself. That's, that's what someone who really liked themselves would do. Right. But because we're used to be drinkers, it's terrible how we have this kind of, um, you know, in the, certainly in the early weeks, I think a lot of people gravitate towards just, oh, sod it, you know, I'm, uh, you know, nobody cares about me, I may as well just drink again. It's this terrible kind of, um, uh, I don't know, just kind of descent into feeling sorry for yourself. Actually, you've got to pull yourself out of that and remember that it's going to all become about actually liking yourself more. That really is what underpins it all. Um, but it's hard to do that when you're drinking. So, just have to act as if and um, and just put the self-care in place till it becomes a little bit more second nature. Yeah, it's it's so true, isn't it? It's uh, look what 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 are some of your your self-care tools that you'd use? The self-care stuff. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, um, you know, walking in nature is a big one. Um, I absolutely love being by the sea. Sadly, I don't live by the sea, but I make it my absolute priority to get there as often as possible. So making sure I get out into nature is a really big one for me. Um, I'm a really big fan of journaling, um, you know, just like stream of consciousness, writing stuff down. It's amazing how... Uh, um, you just c can just spill those thoughts onto the page. And until they've actually come out on the page, you don't realize they've been rolling around in your head and affecting you quite so much. Um, and in the words of the great Louise Hay, you can't clean the house till you can see the dirt. So I actually getting those thoughts down on paper <laughs> can be a really big one. Um, and then, you know, I'm a really big fan of, of, of um, you know, just just great, um, great, really great nutrition and just making sure, you know, you give yourself time, whatever that means for you, for you, you know, whatever creative pursuits you want to do or whatever it might, might be. I used to just, I used to have to be busy, busy, busy all the time. And I'm not like that now. Sometimes I'm happy to just chill. Yeah. That's a, like, that's something that I can still struggle with is, is the rest and peace. You know, it's like some people struggle to get off the couch and I think other people struggle to get on the couch, you know, and that's my problem is getting on the couch and learning to rest. And like I have all this abundance of energy, you know, and it's just like and it's just trying to like use it in the right way. And I think it's one of the things I was gifted when I got sober is that I, I've lots of energy. I recover really quick. I love sports. So I can, I use that to my, I, I utilize that. But at the same time, sometimes I can overdo it and it's learning when to go and when to stop, you know, when to listen to the body and when to, when to take it easy. And it's that, I think when I got sober first, I really struggled to sit with myself. I really just struggled to sit with feelings and I, I became like, instead of a human being, I was a human doing, where it's just go, 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 go. Yeah. It's like I'd fit weeks living into an hour because, you know, God forbid, I had to, I'd have to sit down with myself and get to know myself and feel my feelings and feel what's going on. And then I think slowly over the years, I, I slowly started to 
slow down and and even today like sometimes when I'm feeling stressed or anxious I can see myself starting to do more where I can't sit down and I have to go do this I have to go do that and you know it's like again it's back to that that question in that book uh, Radical Acceptance like what is it that you're unwilling to feel and I love that th- I, love, I love Louise Hay as well and you said you know you can't uh, you can't clean the house till you see the dirt and that's what it is it's sitting with yourself long enough to to see okay what what is it that is is that's triggering me and a lot of times it's exhaustion i'm funny that I, the more exhausted i am the more anxious i am and the more anxious i am the more i want to do stuff and the more I do the, the new, more stuff i do or the more movement i do the more exhausted i'm getting and again it's, it's again you said it there it's journaling it's listening to yourself it's stopping long enough to understand what's going on in the system like you know yeah yeah i also think you know another thing that i sometimes share with um clients that i've really only learned over the last few years is how when you're feeling really anxious or really stressed we tend to kind of go inwards and we we you know we we go into our head and people will sometimes try meditating or whatever it is but when you're really really anxious that's really tough to do Actually, one of the best ways when you're feeling really stressed or anxious is to just let the body take it. So, you know, if you're a runner, go for a run. I'm not a runner. So for me, it would be shake it out, like literally just lock the door and dance (laughs) like no one's watching. You know, just literally allow the body to take that stress. And it's amazing how you can put a, a, a track on and just dance for three minutes and that's it that some of that stuff's released and it makes it's so powerful it makes such a difference that's class i love that yeah it's it's literally just about finding your outlet if it's dancing if it's yoga if it's you're going for a run going for a walk Mm. you know going for like you know a pal of mine who'll go for a walk in nature in his bare feet and it just connects him in that's his way of being Mm. present he just feels the sensation of the sticks and the branches on the leaves and the grass underneath his feet and he just focuses on that feeling like and, and that's it yeah it's just it's it's essentially like it's active meditation isn't it because i was one of these guys i was, yeah, ne- I was exactly way it. too energetic to do the whole you know get out the yoga mat put write the incense you know put on the youtube uh, chants and bells and say um you know i was never one of them people i could never do that i was doing it as a tick box thing to say that i'd done it like you know but i, I wasn't doing it in it like presently but i find that when i go for a run and when i get in the sea or i go hiking it, it makes it nearly forces me into the present moment because of my senses are sensing everything i'm sensing the feeling of the sea the smell the sounds you know and it just makes me present automatically without me even realizing it. You know, I'm just feeling everything, feeling the freshness of the outdoors. And that for me is like meditation. And I know when I don't do that for a couple of days, I kind of feel a bit iffy, you know, I feel a bit off. So I think it's just to have, find your own outlet that that works for you. And again, it's a, when we, we talked about earlier, like when we put down the drink, it gives us an opportunity to find out these things that we like about ourselves. Like, I didn't know I was into running. I didn't know I was into training. I didn't even know I was into like listening to Pink Floyd or, you know, The Doors. Like all this really old school music that, and that I only got into when I got sober because I started to get to know myself. It was like I was living with this strange in my whole life. 
And then when I got sober, I started to find out what my hobbies were, what my interests were, what are the things I like to do, what are the things I don't like to do, what are the people I like to be around, who are the people I don't like to be around, you know? And it's just this whole point, it's like you're getting to know someone that lived with you your whole life all of a sudden, like, you know? It is, it really is like getting to know who you are. And, you know, you mentioned you know, meditation, it's quite interesting for me because I was, um, you know, while I was writing my books on holistic living and everything, I was also a Hay House author and interviewing and also as a presenter on Hay House Radio. And I, I got to interview all the gurus. I mean, everybody, you know, so so in terms of kind of spirituality and meditation, there wasn't anything that I didn't know right on paper. <laughs> But if you'd asked me my own experience, I mean, it was laughable. I couldn't sit for a second, let alone 20 minutes in meditation. I now realize that it's because I wasn't authentic. And of course, I couldn't sit down and properly listen to the voice because I wouldn't have liked what it told me. And it was only once I'd stopped drinking that I realized that that's what had been holding me back. It, was, it wasn't really possible to, to be properly open when I wasn't when I was kidding myself the whole time so I think that there's another whole level that becomes open to you once you stop drinking and I and I you know I know it sounds terribly woo woo but I really do think that alcohol lowers your vibration I really do Mm, it is it's yeah it's one of them things you know that it's like I heard someone describe it as it's like a medicine that you take that makes you sicker like you know Mm. and uh I think that's a great way of explaining it because that's what it's done for me. I thought it was a medicine that made me feel good, gave me a lift, it elated me. But then the consequences would come and it would it would like totally, you know, outweigh the, the positives of feeling that moment of escape. But that's what I, because I had no tools to deal with my mental health, it was the only thing, the only escape that I knew. So regardless of how bad the consequences got, I was still always lured into that drink because I thought... Well, how else can I get get relief from reality or sobriety, like you know, mm, and mm. just taking this yeah. and then and like that and realizing, hold on, if we do the if we put down the drink and do the work on myself, I'll get that same elation without needing a drink, you know, and I get it from the very simple things of, of sea swimming, of meditating, of exercising, you know, eating well, sleeping well. Where I, like we said earlier, I don't I don't just have specific days I'm happy, like, oh, here's Saturday, I'm happy, I'm happy, oh, Saturday's gone, oh, now I'm miserable for the whole week, you know, and, and then it's like living like that, I swear, yeah. every day, I, 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 I enjoy every day today, you know, but um, Janie, I'm just aware of the time, and it's been absolute pleasure talking to you, and I just have a couple of quick four questions I want to ask you before we end the podcast, is that okay? Mm, sure, So yeah. what is your perspective of happiness today? Well, that's a lovely question. Um, I think my perspective of happiness is about being able to to um, bring yourself back to balance and to focus on the good. Um, you know, to the, the, one of my friends, I can't claim it as my expression, but one of my friends, Sue, uh, has this lovely expression. She says, I love life and life loves me. And I reckon if you <laughs> say that often enough... Um, that comes true that becomes your happiness i love that that's really true having a positive mantra what's the what's the greatest advice you've ever gotten oh um let me see i think possibly well one of the best pieces of advice i think is you don't always have to get it right 
you do have to get it going. And I think for someone who is a bit of a procrastinator or a perfectionist, um, sometimes good enough is okay. I love that. What, what is the worst advice you've ever gotten? Um, The worst advice was is probably from my dad because he always used to say, oh, if you think the worst, you'll always, you know, you'll always be nicely surprised if something works out. <laughs> I mean, that's like, he's, he's like, a, know. A, like a positive pessimist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, for God's sake. I mean, literally, he just, I mean, you know, bless his heart. You know, he was kind of tired, you know, scared of living. Um, but for years, I kind of, I was, I, I used to be, I used to have a terribly negative approach to everything with this kind of warped feeling that, oh, well, if I, Exactly like that. If I think the worst, then if something good does work out, I'll be pleasantly surprised. I mean, absolute BS. The opposite is true. You know, where you put your your energy, you know, where you put your focus, that's that's what you'll get more of. I love that. So think of a moment where you found you felt you were in quite a low place or a quite hopeless place. What if you could go back to yourself at that period? What advice would you give to yourself? Uh, stop drinking. <laughs> Nice. stop drinking i mean really it is it's the one thing it is the one thing um you know i could say lots of other things or try and love yourself more uh you know uh, focus on your health you know be a be a bit kinder to yourself and a thousand other things but none of those things can happen until you stop drinking i love that what's something that you still struggle with today Sorry, what? Say again? Sorry, what's something that you still struggle with today? Um, what do I still struggle with? Um, let me, I mean, it, again, it depends on perception, doesn't it, really? Um, what do I struggle with? I mean, I, I, I suppose, I mean, if you'd asked me literally a few weeks ago, I'd have said sugar. Uh, you know, I still think I probably, you know, I have too much sugar, but I've actually stopped having as much sugar in the last few weeks. And you know what? I'm a really big believer that once you've stopped drinking, you can cope with anything. You can sort anything out, actually. Um, so I feel like I've got that imbalance. I mean, you could argue, um, you know, I drink too much coffee, but I don't think I do because I've got an off switch. You know, I just I, I don't think there is anything that I. In terms of little things, I mean, it depends what you're talking about, obviously. I mean, you know, it could be a forever if we start getting into all kinds of stuff. Um, I mean, I, I tell you something I do still struggle with, even after all these years, not necessarily related to drinking, but I think even after all these years and all the stuff I've done and all the stuff I do, I still um, have imposter syndrome. You know, I still kind of think, oh, God, you know, am I good enough to do that? You know, can I, can I, you know, other people are like really rocking this stuff and I'm not. And I still get those, uh, those, those feelings. Um, I'm just human, you know. Um, but by the same token, I'm hopefully I'm inspiring other people all the time to, to really step up and recognize that they're unique um i just have to point the finger back at myself i suppose that was powerful janie thank you so <laughs> much for this conversation it's uh, it's been incredible thank you so much 
Oh, it's been lovely to chat to you. It's been so good. Um, just, yeah, so if anyone wants to get in touch with Janie, uh, you can do so on her Instagram, which is Janie Lee Grace. Also, her book is Happy, Healthy, Sober. Her podcast is Alcohol Free Life. And her website is Janie, sorry, it's thesoberclub.com. The Sober Club, thesoberclub.com. Awesome. You do so much. So, so much. <laughs> Janie, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you.